1: Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb.
0: Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. This is our Mailbag Monday episode. We haven't done one in a while. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me is Chris Tannehill. How are you doing on this great evening, Chris?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. Hope everyone has a great week as you listen to this mailbag. On Monday, typically Mailbag Monday, that's the best time to do uh, Mailbag Monday. Um, I hope you guys had a great Halloween weekend. Uh, I, it was very ghoulish. I had a nightmare that Tony LaRusso was the White Sox manager. Can you believe that shit, Herb?
0: (laughs) That's unbelievable. (laughs) Who would ever come up with something like that?
1: Yeah, only like Wes Craven could come up with something as ghoulish as that. Um, But yeah, so I'm looking forward to the Mailbag Monday episode here. Uh, Should be an interesting week. There is a little bit of Sox news uh, over the past few days. There's been some names trickling out, some roster moves. Uh, As of right now, we can say that uh james mccann alex colomay gerard dyson and edwin Encarnacion, as well as geo gonzalez are all free agents uh Edwin clearly not coming back to the team in 2021 as they declined the option. Uh, the other guys still will wait and see about Colome and James McCann. But uh, I guess we can close the book on the Parrot experiment, R.I. Parrot, uh, on Twitter. Hashtag R.I. Parrot. And, you know, as a lot of people weighed in on that Rick Hahn episode we did the other day on Friday, uh, people, you know, in- enjoyed listening to our perspective on what's going on inside the Sox organization. But this move... Uh, Ed Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to keep stumbling over that name. Uh, to be honest with you, but that move was a, a, was an outright failure. Um, how do you view that move in retrospect, in hindsight, um, for you know under Rick Hahn's you know passes and failures? How, do you how much of this do you put on Rick Hahn? Do you not put anything? Because I remember this move was pretty much universally uh, applauded uh, when he signed around Christmas of last year.
0: Yeah, I like to give credit to the deal when it was signed. I didn't think it was a I like or judge it by when it is signed, not because of the results, especially not in the 2020 results, because it's so truncated and just a weird year and altogether. So I was all for the move. I was this specific guy I was looking for since JD Martinez opted back in for Boston and he did it again this year. What a dick. Um so the number two guy who could be a DH. I was like, all right, let's get that guy. And that would have been Edwin. uh, See (laughs) Edwin Encarnacion. And I was fine with it and it didn't pan out the way we wanted to. But I think in 162, it would have been better. It would have been fine. But in the 60, it was just not good by the playoffs. We're like, we don't even want this guy to play at all anymore. And he didn't really.
1: No, so I I, I would not, uh, you know, you have to just judge the move by how the results were, and it was a failure. This was not a great move by Rick Hahn um, when it's all said and done. Now there's going to be a mailback question pertaining to the DH spot a little bit later on the show that we'll get to here. But, yeah, um, that's a spot. There are many holes now after these guys elect free agency. Um, Obviously the James McCann thing we've been talking about all year. Alex Colome. now the bullpen is is a little bit shortened. So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things happening, and the Sox have some significant holes to fill, but at least now we know that that these are clear spots that need to get get filled, either through trades or free agency. And that's one of the troubling things that we've seen early on in this offseason Someone like Brad Hand, just straight up, just not having uh, his option picked up, not not being tendered. One of the top tier left handed relievers in all of baseball for the Indians. Just the Indians are more than content to just say, "Thanks a lot, Brad Hand. We appreciate you, uh, but we can replace you for much cheaper." And I, you know, I don't know if that's something they would have done normally in normal financial situations, but. Again, getting back to this Larusa thing, if Jerry Reinsdorf's going to give Tony, his guy, the best opportunity to, to succeed and right those wrongs, there's going to be plenty of solid options out there on the free agent market this year.
0: Very much so. I mean, we just got a, another one, and Mitch Moreland got his uh, option declined by the San Diego Padres. So that could be another guy that could do, if you want to do a platoon DH situation or you want to go full out with Mitch Moreland, available out there another guy that's kind of like edwin Internacion, long in the tooth but is known to have that role uh done well when he does get his opportunity to do it so yeah there's uh, there's people that could be signed you could do a right fielder dh combo type of thing if you really wanted to but one of those two positions has to be a hundred percent solved this year We're tired of going through year after year, not having a right fielder or DH. It's just ridiculous how we can't get these guys who are available out there draft any. It's just uh, it's a failure by the front office so far. And we also need a starting pitcher, but we desperately need a bat in the lineup. I don't care if it's right handed or left handed. As long as this person who comes in can hit. Let's get let's get it done. And if you play right field, field the balls that come to you and once in a while make a tough catch. I remember That's all we, I asked for.
1: Yeah, it's not a whole lot. Uh, a competent, capable major league organization should be able to supply that. I remember we took that email – uh, about a month into the to the season this year, but that guy who had the, the DH numbers and he was wondering like if it would get better in twenty twenty. And I, I believe we assured this this emailer that it in fact would, and it, uh, ultimately it did not. So the terrible, he lied. yeah, we're liars. That's that's all I could say. Um, and hopefully it will get better in twenty twenty one, and we'll get to that option a little bit later on the show here. But episode sixty seven tonight, Herbie. Man, we're really we're really doing God's work here until we get to the seventies here. But. Uh, 82 to 83 Jim Kern uh, Randy Williams uh, 9 through 2010 uh Don't Scott S- Scott Carroll uh you remember him the spot starter uh, long relief man from 2014 to 2016 uh, Juan Manaya later on in 16 brad goldberg he would come in and spear you from the bullpen uh caleb Freire. <laughs> and this year two guys rocking the 67 oh man it's a fight to the death for for, for 2020 roster guys wearing in the 67 brady Lail and bernardo flores jr i have a, a, a tendency i i think i like bernardo flores jr here like i like the kid he seems to be you know, just a good kid, baseball historian, white sox historian. Like I remember seeing photos of him down at the lower levels. I think he was wearing like a vintage White Sox starter jacket. So I like his style. He he enjoys being a White Sox, And uh these guys they're not White Sox anymore. So I don't know if you can make a more compelling argument than that, but what say you?
0: I have no argument for any <laughs> of these guys. So whoever you feel like you want to put in here, you can put in here. I two Two shows from now, we're going to be in trouble because there's none. There's no 69s, and I know Not nice. all you guys are just out there saying nice. Uh, but, yeah, there's none. That's the first one we're going to run into problems with. Uh, no. and, and then I think 78 also. But uh, That's all right. We'll, yeah, whoever we'll get you through. want to name.
1: You, are, will, you, are, will we get this done by Christmas? Will that be our Christmas gift to the Locked On White Sox audience that we don't have to do this bid anymore?
0: Let's see. Uh, let's see. So one, two, three, four, five. Well, six, we don't know seven, how. Many, don't eight, count
1: because you don't know how many shows we're going to do.
0: Thirteen. It's only thirteen more numbers. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: All right. We'll get there so, by Christmas. Yeah, easily by Thanksgiving. Mean, by Thanksgiving, I mean, we maybe have
0: much more numbers, but we only have thirteen more white socks that have worn the jerseys. Oh, boy. of these people.
1: All right well That's yeah, it. we'll we'll get there by Thanksgiving then. so yeah, gather around the the table everyone and and celebrate this uh, bit being over. All right. so and uh, season
0: two will be no numbers anymore. No we'll, well just ha- yeah, we'll yeah we'll, uniform numbers. We'll
1: have to fall back on our abilities and stuff that happens uh, on the on the field. so uh, nervous. yeah, nervous about that. All right, let's open the bag, shall we? Yep. a lot of emails we're gonna try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. Appreciate a lot of you guys reaching out to me this week, uh, wishing condolences. Uh, Mike Victor, I appreciate you reaching out. I responded to him. Uh, But if you have any White Sox-related emails, it could be player questions, team questions, organizational questions, baseball questions, or even just life questions. How can they go about doing that, Herb?
0: socks at gmail.com. Email us at socks at gmail.com. Your questions, your comments, just want to say what's up. All good. Locked on socks at com. We read them all. Not all of them make this show, though.
1: Well, we may have a two parter this week because today was so newsy. Or this, this week was so newsy with the La the Russa hiring. So let, let's get to it, shall we? Uh, we've got some a lot of Tony La Russa-centric emails here and uh, a lot of people uh, trying to parse through this stuff like we are. Uh, let's lead it off with our guy, John Yeh Kest, shall we? He says, My guys, uh, Borat voice, what is the best way to go about being a diehard supportive fan for all the players who you love but protest against the ownership that you are fed up with their shit? Not Larusa, but a lifetime of mediocrity and crying poor in a major market. I don't want to quit attending games. Not only does this affect the players, but then validates Jerry's penny pinching. Quit buying jerseys. Money goes to Players Association and affects the players. I felt this way for years. The way the organization is run is unacceptable, and I as a fan would like to peacefully protest. Thanks, guys. Thank you, John Jonye, for weighing in. All right, Herb, so knowing that the... That not spending your money has a direct correlation to to payroll and to the well being uh, of the players' association. How do you how would you go about protesting just the the way that Jerry Reinsdorf has run this team uh, for the past mm, ever?
0: I mean, the only way you can do that without not wanting to go to games. So if you still want to go to games, buy your tickets on the secondary market. That money is already going to the White Sox, but it's not you who's putting that money into the White Sox hands. It's somebody else who bought the ticket. So you're not directly going and giving him money. Don't pay for park. Don't park if you can. Take public transportation. When you go in there, bring your own water. Uh, bring your own food if you can. So you're not giving him concessions. And you still want to enjoy the game. That's fine. Do that way where you can have a game that you're consuming. And like you said, you buy the jerseys that go to go to the players pockets, but do not buy the tickets from white Sox, white or any of that stuff. Secondary market, like seat geek or uh StubHub or anything like that. You can go to the game without directly putting the money right back into Jerry's pocket. Those
1: are good ideas right there. Again, I think it starts you, you we have to start, you know, assuming that things are back to relative normalcy. Uh, by opening day and there's a vaccine and people can, you know, or, you know, or at least there's a a little more relaxed policy about being outdoors. What we know, we know now what we know about the virus, about, you know, the chances of spreading uh, outside, almost none. There's no chance of that, uh, especially if you're socially distanced. And, you know, if you have fans spaced out the way they were at the world series, I don't see why uh, the Sox shouldn't be able to welcome uh, a crowd. I I think, you know, this year, you know, uh, do what you can to to support as much as you can, because these guys are all going to be crying poor. Um, but in the future, I would say that you, your words are powerful. You know, you're always welcome to, to bring in signs to the to the ballpark. Um, you're welcome to share your opinion on social media. If you participate in those team surveys that they, they go out, you know, I always try to fill those out in great detail. Uh, and things that I wish for the organization to improve on. You know, this is a small market team uh, judging by the percentage of fans that it has. So forget about that it's in a major market. Um, but the fan base is relatively small compared to other teams. So, like, you you have to make sure that you hold this team accountable, and I would say that this is going to be a good team this year in 2021. Get out to the ballpark no matter what. Uh, you know, unless you're not comfortable gathering among crowds, I get that. We'll see what it's going to look like in terms of, like, enclosed areas like the washroom or, or concession stands or what have you, but get out to the ballpark and support the team and, and show – Uh, management that you believe in this team and they should believe in it too that that's all i can say um that there's you know johnny you got some great points there you don't you know you don't want to affect the popularity because it's all about just raising all of this right like you want to buy jerseys so you see more white Sox jerseys in town and then across the country you want to have you know tim anderson skyrocket up that Popular player jersey list, so because that's good for everyone, right? So uh, I think you know you just have to voice your opinion wherever you're, whenever you're given an opportunity, and sometimes that is uh, at the ballpark. So uh, that's the best way to do it, I think. There's no easy answer for it, uh, you know, at least from the way I look at it. But I like Herb's ideas as well, and yeah, you are allowed to bring uh your own food and drink into the ballpark um you know even i have a family but we that's one of my favorite parts of the game is is the food so that's really hard but i think if more people did that you could you could uh, you know it would be a lot more easy to go to a ball game but also you can hit them a little bit in the pocketbook cuz i could say what's the difference here like we have more people here but we're not bringing in as much money with everything else what's the problem here then they'll realize oh okay but then they might find out that it's cuz people are bringing in food and then they might ban it altogether which i don't think is is a, an, a possibility I don't think I don't think a team would do that because uh, people would raise hell you know especially when you're a team that has problems drawing anyway because you think about people that come in with like a family of five and all of a sudden you tell them they can't bring in you know foods for their kid who may not like all the concession stand offering so so I, w- I would by the way I would suggest getting rid of that kid if that's the case but yeah <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> um, but um you know yeah just just le- just leave it right on the on the expressway there on your way out you know before you get back on the on the highway there but yeah it's, it's a complicated issue. And, you know, I just, just let this team get on the field and play and let's see how the season, you know, progresses. And maybe this is all forgotten. But thank you, John Yeh, for the email as always. And this episode of Locked on White Sox Today, Mailbag Monday Edition, is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever and now somehow Herbie, the new and improved built bar is even delicious herb because they've got six brand new flavors including caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp not to mention those 12 original flavors that you know and love so much uh, my favorite being the german chocolate herb loves the banana bread you got peanut butter brownie built bars are always covered in 100 chocolate they are soft and oh, so easy to chew. They're not tough like some of those other protein bars that you have on the market. I've had a lot of them. Built Bar is by far the best, and they are healthy. They're great if you're a health-conscious person on the go. If you're on the keto diet, they're great. If you're if you're trying to lose or maintain some weight while still indulging in those delicious treats that you love so much, Built Bar is the way to go. And now, Built Bar is offering a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So all you got to do is this: go to builtbar.com. Use our promo code LOCKED ON. So important. You'll get 20% off of your next order if you use the promo code LOCKED ON. That's 20% off at BuiltBar.com. BuiltBar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, moving along here with the mailbag. Next one coming in from Dave. Dave says this he's got some LaRusa thoughts here. He's got some things, maybe you know, some positives. I like it. I like the positivity. This is not the worst thing in the world, you know. Uh, Point number one. I guess we'll just go through this one by one. Jerry wants to win, which is why he wants Tony LaRusso, who wins. I think that's fair, don't you? I think that's what this is all about. Is Jerry Uh Jerry Reinsdorf saying, you know what? I know a sure thing when I see it in terms of a manager, and he's like, you know what? Tony LaRusso is my guy. So yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a huge part of this. Uh, number two, which is something we talked about earlier this week or last week, Jerry can't embarrass Tony by being cheap on the free agent market. Tony will say, "WTF?" If Jerry won't spend money, now therein lies the rub. Like I, we mentioned this on uh, the the Tony Larusa episode. I think there's this is a big variable here. One concern I do have is Tony Larusso, who's you know, I thought maybe he seemed desperate to get back in the game, but after listening to that press conference, like they asked him. Like he was mm-hmm. more than he was more than content. He sounded he said he was he said it was torture watching the game from up above in the box as opposed to down on the field level. But it's not like he was begging to be the manager. So I, I think one of the weird things that you have to look at here is if if you know Tony says, "You know what? Like this is. I just want to retire. I just want to, you know, have his Lou Piniella job at the end of his career, and he doesn't care about player payroll. That's that's my main concern here. Or if he feels grateful, uh, just to be back managing in the game, and he and he's not going to hold Jerry's feet to the fire. What do you think about that concept? Which way do you think it's going to go? I should say.
0: I think that getting to the first point, yes, Jerry wants to win and bringing Tony in, secures that." But I think Jerry also believes that managers can make a difference in wins and losses. Like, hey, Ricky Rizzria lost us five games last year with his bad managing. We're bringing Tony, in. he's going to win us five games. So that's a net positive ten wins. So we don't need to go out and get a right fielder or starting pitcher <laughs> oh, because we got this genius ass manager. That's what I'm thinking. That Jerry's going to go. He's going to go on the. Oh man, these managers. They really. If you, especially if you get a Hall of Famer. They're going to turn your team from a five net five loss uh, team to a plus plus five win win team. So I think that's what he's going to be thinking. And also, uh, yeah, Tony wasn't clamoring for this job. He was contacted. Maybe they spoke for years, but this was Tony chilling. And then no one had heard this. You know, you would at least hear some like rumblings and like little rumors and you window us and our business would hear something. This came out of left field. And that's why we're all shocked when Bob Nightingale put this out there. And then even more shocked when it actually happened. This wasn't in the offing. Tony Russo was never, I've never really heard Tony Russo like in the press conference. They were like, well, I've had opportunities to, to interview for other jobs. And I never wanted to come back. I've never heard Tony Russo's name come up in a managerial search ever since he retired in 2011. Maybe me not putting my uh, eyes on everything, but I haven't heard it. So he's probably interested now that he's the manager, but he wasn't dying to do this. It's not like his, his wish to be the White Sox manager for next year. And I could see if things don't go well or he's getting too much heat. He's a damn Hall of Famer. What the fuck does he need to stick around for?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, my concern is, in general, like that – you know, Tony didn't know, didn't drop a lot of first names about these players on the team. Like he he said Anderson a couple times, and then he eventually said Tim Anderson. Does you he know. know who
0: Jose Abreu is? Well, he
1: he should. Um, <laughs> but I worry about him. You know, just not knowing the personnel. Like that's why I think they're going to retain a lot of the current coaches. Like I, I worry about them losing a year in their window because you're you're trying to feel out your roster, and, and Tony doesn't know what he can get from certain guys, like out of the bullpen, for example, because that's like supposedly one of his big. Strength, So we'll we'll see how that bears out if maybe you get, you know, they sign some more known commodities, you know, uh, but I worry about young guys in the hands of Tony La Russa and what it does for their confidence going forward. And, you know, maybe sometimes even the reversal of that, like using them less than than they would have thought they would have been used, you know, because uh, an old manager doesn't trust them. So, but you better believe AJ Hinch probably knows the White Sox roster very well. I would think um, probably better than Tony does. So those t- Sox Tigers matchups going to be very interesting. Uh, point number three: the best pro arguments that Dave can think of here. Uh, he makes Tim Anderson a team captain. Uh, I don't think this means much of anything. I don't think you necessarily need. I think everyone knows that Jose Abreu is going to be you know the de facto captain. I don't think you know guys in baseball for whatever reason. You know this isn't of uh, football where you have designated captains on each side of the ball and this is different you know guys are kind of reluctant in baseball to wear that captain c you don't see it almost ever I'm trying to remember the last captain who I, I remember seeing on a, on a big league ball club with the c was it like Jason Verretek with the Red Sox like it's not a big thing and I, you know <laughs> I, I think embracing Tim Anderson would be huge you know that's going to be one of the biggest things to look out for is how how they get along, um, and what, what Tim, Tim's got to buy in here. Like Tim's now in a veteran leadership position with performance on the field and time he's put in where his word and his actions, like in terms of his relationship with Tony, are going to go a long way here. So I think that's interesting. But what do you think about the possibility of making T.A. a team captain? Do you think that means anything?
0: Uh, I don't know if he's clamoring for that. He doesn't need titles necessarily to do him, to be him. If he, I don't know if Tim is a leader of men. Anyways, I think he is. His attitude is, "Hey, this is how I do me, and if you want to do you, do you, but I'm not forcing this on you." So I don't know if he's the vocal leader, a guy that I think he's just what he does gets everybody else hyped. Not necessarily he's doing it on purpose. He's not the rah rah guy. He just like, Hey, you doubt me. Watch me go out and do it.
1: Yeah. Hey, he-
0: you, you keep on doubting me. I'm going to go and do it again. Type of thing. I don't see him as going to every player and say, Hey man, you know, get your head up. We'll be all right. We'll be fine. Type of guy. I think he's a guy more of a dude more than say kind of a uh, leader. So if they want to put a C on his Jersey, he'll be like, all right, that's cool. It's fine. But it don't mean much to me. I'll just go out and keep on doing me type of thing. And so, yeah, uh, Putting a C under what White Sox is what uh, Paul Konerko is the only one with the C on his jersey. I
1: don't think th- I don't even think he ever had one. You
0: don't think he ever put it in there? I I mean I know he was the captain, but yeah, I they call him the captain. If they, if they ever put a C on his, no, jersey, like I think on sleeve or something.
1: No, I think he was reluctant. He doesn't like doing that. Like he's you know he's Paul Paul Konerko wasn't a, a big time about me guy, but also he realizes that baseball is such an individual. Mind state sort of game, and to like you know, uh, does Rizzo had the did Rizzo had the captaincy at all? I'm trying to remember, um, but e- either way, I don't you know T- Tim is not a guy that's going to pull you aside and, and tell you what to do and what not to do. At least you know you don't see that during the game. Maybe uh, privately in the clubhouse, he'll talk to a younger guy about doing something. But I don't, it doesn't. He doesn't strike me as one of those type of guys. So I don't think a tap a captain's role would suit him. Very well. Uh, Next point here: uh, a diverse staff. The White Sox always lead uh, in diversity, which uh, I I would uh, I would agree on. Um, I don't know how much that affects this particular team right now. We know Tony La Russa is a fluent Spanish speaker, and one of my earlier points from earlier last week was: you know, it, it doesn't matter sometimes how old a guy is. You know, a guy can carry himself much younger, or some some people just command respect when they're in a room, and some people just know how to relate to people when they're in a room, no matter how old or young they are. So that's why I don't put a lot of, um, you know, uh, much to this, this Tony La Russa is an older guy and he won't be able to relate to the players. Um, again, you know, I pointed the Ricky Henderson comparison with the Oakland A's teams uh, and, the, and the swagginess of it all. And, and you know, Tony LaRusso seemed like he was an old guy then just the way he carried himself. And obviously they, it was never a problem. And that team had a lot of success. So um, diversity, it certainly always helps. Um, the more guys you have around that can relate to the Latin players, I think would be good. But it's always important to have guys that can relate to every type of player. So do you put any uh, extra weight into the White Sox always sort of having a, a diverse staff and being able to relate to different people?
0: Yeah, I think uh, it it means a lot. I mean, the fact that the White Sox initially, even before we were all alive and born, the White Sox having Manny Minoso on the team, both a black man and a Cuban man on the team, uh, Tico Cariscal, Louis Aparicio. These are the 50s where they're having guys who are uh, of Latin descent. We had uh, Carlos May, of course, Dick Allen, um, Harold Baines, Frank Thomas, a bunch of guys that, you know, black, African-American guys that represented this club with dignity and respect and also put up some good ass numbers. So uh, those last two guys, Dick Allen and Frank Thomas brought home the MVP award. So yeah. And we always say with Jerry Reinsdorf, he's not a guy who just uh, talks the talk. He walks the walk too, because he was part of MLB's inclusion and diversity inclusion. And he went out and hired Kenny Williams as his first, uh, african-american general manager i mean i think bob watson beat him to the punch as far as major league but yeah uh katie williams is the uh, african-american uh general manager then you have the first latino manager to win a world series which is ozzie gian um and then you know throughout you've had people in leadership roles i mean dave wilder messed up his role yep. with his uh latin american and his uh bad spending and his elite illegality out there in latin america but he was in a position to do work for the team until he's proven that he couldn't do it correctly. So yeah, White Sox are leaders, I think in that regard. And if you, they want to have guys around who are qualified and both like in qualified to do the job and happen to be uh, a minority, more power to it, but not just the hire, just to hire a guy like that. I think everybody wants a fair shake, but Giving these interviews to people like I don't like that Willie Harris interview they gave for the major league manager because Willie was never going to get that job. And the only reason he was getting it is because of some type of Rooney rule in Major League Baseball. I'm not too fond on that because it seems token, but I would like for qualified African-Americans, qualified Latino, qualified other minority people to get these opportunities, at least in the room to get in front of Jerry Reinsdorf, Kenny Williams, and Rick Connell, whoever Russell's hiring, to see, like, yeah, I have the bona fides and my personality might mesh with yours, so give me the chance. And I think Jerry is a fair, square deal guy like that. As a Jewish guy grow, growing up in Brooklyn, he realized his, uh, his uh, minority status in that regard. He probably realized there's people in the world that have a, a harder time in their lives than just a a Jewish kid in Brooklyn. So I'm glad that he has never uh, just looked past and burned the bridge behind him after he climbed up a couple rungs uh, and looked back on the ladder and said, I'm going to bring a couple people up and lift as I climb. And he's a good man in that regard. We, We might have quabbles and quibbles about Jerry Reinsdorf otherwise, but he's a walker of that talk.
1: Absolutely. Uh, just finishing up Dave's email here as we're parsing through reasons to be positive about Tony LaRusso's hiring. Um, one of the things he mentions here, if, if he was a young manager, a 40-year-old manager, or someone wanting to be a manager, I should say, uh, this would be an attractive destination for uh, brilliant minds in the game to go and, and be on Tony LaRusso's bench or be a part of this uh, coaching staff. And one guy that I would love to see, uh, of course, has a long history – with uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. He elected free agency the other day, and that's, of course, Yadier Molina. And I don't know if we mentioned him earlier last week, but that's a guy who I would love to see take on a bench coach role. But maybe that's too soon for bench coach. I would probably retain Joe McEwing because of familiarity with the roster, I would retain him as the bench coach, but maybe have Yadi Molina be your third base coach. And maybe bring in someone like Carlos Beltran, one of his former teammates. Uh, you know, he didn't play under Tony in St. Louis, but you know, we know the things that evolved with uh, with Beltran in Houston with the sign stealing. But I also believe he is, you know, had some other, uh, you know, positive traits. Uh, you know, he was looked at. Uh, at, at a managerial spot in New York, and I, I think he's a smart baseball guy. And I got to I got to be honest with you. Anyone who's smart enough to figure out that system, um, it, it's a, he's smart enough to figure out other things that are like above board. You know what I mean? So I would I'd, I'd want former for like recent former players to be a part of this coaching staff, so you do make sure that you have guys that can relate to the guys that that are on the team now. You want plus you want to like improve that that big league scouting, right? Like guys that actually are on your bench or on your coaching staff that have that have faced pitchers uh, or hitters that are currently in the league right now. I think that's beneficial and I, and I think Yadier would would be an incredibly a uh, good candidate for anyone's next managerial role uh, with a few years of, of seasoning experience. So um, I, I like that aspect of, of being an attractive destination for someone to learn under, under the, uh, the, the dean they used to call Tony La Russa of MLB manager. So uh, what, do you, what do you think about that in terms of this being a destination to attract uh, young, brilliant baseball minds and maybe as a, a, a different way to bring in people to relate to the current roster?
0: I mean, it'll be great. I think um, hopefully Tony knows that baseball is a little different than it was when he left. And his job now is more to delegate power, to have the clubhouse at a calm comfort level, uh, to, uh, get pressure away from the players, take it on yourself and to more of a. Uh, a guy that's pushing his uh, bench coach to do more the guys pushing his pitching coach and hitting coach. Now we see multiple pitching coaches on staffs, multiple hitting coaches on staff. So yeah, if we could expand our, our staff, like I think when, um, when we look at the Cubs, when Theo and them came in, they were like, well, this scouting department is real short and our analytics is real short. We don't have a lot of people. And I remember the White Sox kind of being in that same vein. Like They didn't have a lot of people working underneath them as far as analytics and scouting and things like that. This would be the time to have uh, more of advanced uh, staff. I mean, we've already seen Rick Hahn fire Ricky Renteria and Don Cooper because not embracing analytics. And it sucks that they have Tony LaRusso on staff that probably won't embrace analytics during the game, as much so maybe for all the rest of the stuff, like not the stuff during the game, he goes heavy on analytics because he knows that it won't be done during the game, and he can attract some guys who who are more analytically based and have them give a little bit more power than they would have at another spot because of the other teams will be like, okay, Kevin Cash does believe in us, so we'll have lesser lesser people here. To uh, to confuse him, since he does believe in it, and he'll be accepting what we bring to him. With Tony Russo, you need to inundate him with stats, and just so he just like he's like just gives up. He's like, okay, 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 I got it. My bench coach's analytics guy, my pitching coach now is an analytics guy my uh other pitching coach is an analytics guy my batting coach is an analytics guy and they're all talking to me about this matchup or that matchup and i'm like oh gut 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 during games so maybe we can just wear him down with people who are more inclined to believe in numbers and understand that as we always say here it's about process not necessarily results like results are great but if you get the process right You're going to win more often than you lose. So I would be embracing Rick just going the other way and having like a fuck it attitude. You're going to get this manager who I didn't pick and who doesn't embrace the philosophies that I just espoused when I fired Ricky Renteria. The reason I fired Ricky Renteria, fuck it. Everybody else who I'm hiring for the baseball staff is going to be 100% these guys. Tony's not getting to hire any of his people because usually you let your manager just hire all the all the staff, but no. If I'm Rick, I'm doubling down. I'm like, fuck all that. <laughs> uh, this staff is going to be my staff because you don't know when Tony's going to leave. You don't know when he's just tired of this shit. Ill health, all these things. So get your people under there and maybe you get the Justin Gershelly or however you say his name. They're huge on him you get him into this staff and you groom him to be the next guy. And you show Tony, hey, you can be replaced if you fuck up. <laughs> your replacement's right here, kid. And remember, I didn't hire you. That man hired you. And remember, he's an, he's an older guy, too. So watch your shit.
1: Yeah, man. Like, you know, you, you find it hard to believe that Rick Khan has any any type of leverage after this. Like, But maybe, maybe they were able to work something out. Like, you know, like Rick Rick Khan had to eat a lot of shit mm-hmm. with, with this Tony LaRusso hiring. So you would think that that Rick got some assurances either about job security, um, which I don't feel comfortable with like just guaranteeing someone's gonna be around you know but mm-hmm. but more so like what you said, making sure I have my new numbers guys or we or we build out uh, we make the numbers guys a larger, uh, you know, system, you know, because we, we know that they're behind the times, but maybe they want to expand their pitch lab or or whatever they do with, with the hitting, you know, like so maybe there, there are some assurances built in like, OK, I'll, all right. You know, Rick says to Jerry, OK, we can make this work, but I need some assurances from you because this is more than about just who's in that manager's chair like this organization still needs more, uh, you know, data driven uh, you know, stuff to, to help, you know, figure out how to win on a day-to-day basis. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see uh, how this coaching staff shakes out, but yeah, that was a very, very, uh very nice email from Dave there. We appreciate you uh, checking in, but he closes it by saying only one thing matters and that's winning. So let's just team get out there and play, man. I, I think come may, you know, we won't be talking much about this managerial hire anymore. We'll be talking uh, about the roster on the field, how these games are won or lost and whether or not, uh, you know, Jerry did his part and fortified this roster. So thank you, Dave, for checking in. And one one keynote about that, uh, as we set up the offseason here, after Rick Rentry was fired, I believe, Rick Hans said that they have money built in. Obviously, the, the pandemic changed things a bit, but they had money built in from when they decide, decided to, to tear this thing down in 2016, that they flexed money into their budget. For once the window started to open up, so the things that they did to be on the cheap uh, in six, 16, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, all you know they they are diverting financial resources to twenty and twenty one and twenty two. So mm-hmm. you know that that's what Racon said. So we have to hold them to those words, and you know we'll we'll hear that cut as free agency. Uh, opens up a little bit here and guys start to, to to make their choices here, we'll bring that audio back for you. It just it just sticks in my mind whenever I hear about the finances. That's what they said. They said this was a multi-year plan, and they're not doing this thing year by year and flying by the seat of their pants. Like it, That's not only from a, a roster perspective, but from a financial perspective as well. So I hope that's true, and I hope they have. It's not going to take a lot of money uh, this year, so I hope they, they have enough saved up where they can fix that right field Get a, another starting pitcher, and you know maybe round out that bullpen a little bit. They don't have a lot of holes, but uh, hopefully they have that money in surplus, like they said they do. So we'll have to hold them to that standard here. Uh, now's a good time, I think, to to wrap it up, and we'll, we'll do a part two tomorrow because we got nothing but time here in the offseason. season. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff here about free agency, uh, the DH spot, which we did not get to, as I mentioned earlier. I'm a liar again. We've got stuff about maybe an old friend returning to right field. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's never too late during the week. If you want to shoot us an email for next week's Mailbag Monday, or I think it will be Talk to Us Tuesday, uh, how can they do that? One more time for these people, Herb.
0: Lockedonsocks at gmail.com. Email us at lockedonsocks at gmail.com. Questions, comments, whatever you want to say. We'll read them all. Not all of them make this show.
1: Absolutely, that's all I got tonight for episode 67 Mailbag Monday. Hope you guys have a great week. The holidays are approaching here, so you know just try, try to try to coast into these holidays here a bit at work. All right, let's not let's not you know go too hard in the pain at work. You know, <laughs> especially if you're working from home, like you know, t- take yeah, it easy.
0: Your, <laughs> your company's already sucking this year. They're in the <laughs> red. The fourth <laughs> quarter won't matter. It really won't, unless you're a salesperson. You know, always maybe yet. maybe bag a little bit until you get to the end and then you know get your bonuses. Whatever. They can't play don't golf
1: they can't play golf anymore, these salespeople. What are they gonna do? They may have to sell some things.
0: <laughs> they gotta actually use their personality. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 losing strokes to the the guy down the street. Yeah. So he wants his business. Yeah. So that's all I, I was got. never a good I was never a good salesperson, so I don't know if that's what salespeople oh, do. Oh it's horrendous. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> just just golf with people and stuff and then laugh and drink <laughs> and then get the deal done after that's that's what sales do. Right. Ah, all right. Whatever. My name is Herb Lawrence actor wall 23 on Twitter. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. The show is at locked on socks, both on Twitter and Instagram. We just told you what the email is locked on socks at gmail.com. So thank you for listening to this mailbag Monday edition of locked on socks.